Welcome to everybody to War Room the Hockey Podcast, episode 63 this week. Um, we're just, um, with everything going on, um, pre-recording things, doing all that stuff, is to not throw everybody out of whack with content with playoff hockey that's going on, to not reveal things that um, anybody who might not have seen yet, although I don't know why you haven't, um, but also not to... Uh, list content that I'm sure everybody's already aware of. So we're going to uh, forego some things here right away, and we're just going to jump right into it. This week, uh, Brandon Pounier is back with us. Uh, we have a great conversation with him, um, taken over by uh, my partner, my dad here. Um, this was kind of his baby this week, uh, his topic, his conversation. He had a tremendous conversation with Brandon Pounier about um, what he the young players in developmental hockey and youth hockey are doing uh, during everything during the virus during the pandemic uh, to stay healthy, to stay active, to stay prepared. Um, are ice rinks opening up? Uh, are gyms open? Are they doing these th- the necessary things to to stay fit and healthy? Uh, do they have to do it at home? Can they do it at a rec center or a gym? Um, things like that. Are they on the ice? Are they on the ice yet? Things like that. So this week is a good episode, a good conversation with Brandon Punia yet again. Uh, he's becoming a tremendous, tremendous not only guest to the show, but he's always been a great, great friend of the show. So it's great to have him back with us this week. Um, so settle in for that conversation. But before you do, make sure you head to the necessary social media platforms. We'll touch on this again after our conversation with Brandon. Um, but make sure you head to the so- necessary social media platforms, uh, Facebook and Instagram, War Room the Hockey Podcast, at War Room the Hockey Podcast, respectively. Make sure you like it and you follow. Uh, make sure you head to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you subscribe, you rate and review. Um, and yeah, settle in. Uh, great conversation with Brandon Punier this week. Um, tremendous coach, working his way up the coaching ranks, um, doing tremendous things for the Colorado Thunderbirds in the great state of Colorado. And um, one of the coaches, as we've mentioned before, but we, but I mentioned again, one of the coaches, um, unfortunately, um, I wish, I wish we. You could say it about literally every coach, um, but um, Brandon Pune is definitely one of the coaches uh, that does it the right way. So, Brandon, thank you again for joining this week. Um, keep up the hard work. Keep up the good work, doing things the right way, doing tremendous things, and we look forward to big things from you in the hockey world. So, episode 63 of War Room the Hockey Podcast, Brandon Pune coming at you. the sweater and behind you yeah it's not a big deal you know <laughs> hey thanks for doing this on short notice we appreciate yeah, it yeah thanks for having me again hey uh we've just been wondering in general what are you guys doing as a staff um as an organization what are your what are your boys doing what are you guys doing uh you know, just in general, how's guys staying in shape? Are you able to skate yet? What's the season look like? You know, fill us in a little bit. Um, so we we had our tryouts about a month ago. Um, teams picked. Um, and since then, we've kind of started, like, unofficial practices. Um, we're just once a week 
Um, we'll, we'll do a couple drills and we'll just scrimmage. So, um, nothing's really official yet till like mid to end of August, but for right now we're just skating once a week. Do you guys have a private, uh, off ice facility? Um, Raul, right now they gave us South Suburban. So all the Thunderbird teams are at family sports in South Suburban until the new rink opens. So when is that uh, supposed to be? Um, I want to say G- December or January. Okay. So you, you don't have access to a gym right now, right? Are the guys just on their own for that? No, we have a strength and conditioning coach, um, and they're using his facility, which is near family sports. Oh, I got it. Okay. Yeah, it's the same guys that the abs use. So it's, it's a lot more hockey specific. Like the, the guys we used like the last couple of years, it's, it's just like kind of like a general like high school athlete training stuff. Now it's more of like a hockey specific training, which is it's going to be so much better. Nice. Yeah. What's, what's his name? Uh, the trainer. Yeah. Um, his name's Chase. Okay. Been, I don't. I don't remember his last name. It's Chase, though. I knew their trainer a long time ago, but it, that was. I, I hate to admit how long ago that was. So I'm sure he's not. We when I played for Stewie. Um, Kate, was it Casey Bond? No, it was he, even before him. Okay. We had Casey Bond when I was with Stewie. Um, so that was, he was good, but I don't know what they've – they went somewhere else, and then now we're back to a hockey guy. <clears throat> well, we heard here, wasn't it, uh, Evan, that the BCHL is tentatively starting December 1st. December 1st. December 1st? Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I was talking with um, yeah. Clarkson the other day, and we might have to um, cancel all our trips in September just to give this thing more time to figure itself out. Not playing in front of a lot of fans, you guys, are, you guys have an advantage. I mean, if they can keep the players somewhat segregated. Yeah. You don't have to put people in the building to get by. The issue with junior hockey is that it's so it's a hundred percent gate driven, right? So those leagues are are you know those seasons are in serious jeopardy just because they can't they got to be able to put fans in the building or you or you can't operate. Yeah, I I think like for juniors and then for us too, like if you don't let fans in, you're not letting scouts in either. So like, kind of what's the point? Well, yeah, if you don't. So if you've got uh, – if you go to a tournament and you might have uh, – you said a lot of the scouts gather, you know, they make those trips regionally. They come to their – they come to the tournaments near them. And there may be, what, a, what would there be, 100 guys there or something? Yeah, give or take. See, that seems to me like that would be pretty easy to get 100 guys in a standard building, even if it was just yeah. a, a little one. Yeah, if it was just like scouts and everyone was like, had their space and a mask on. I don't see what the real issue with that would be. I don't know. I'm not in charge though either. So, <laughs> well, neither are we, or this wouldn't be going on, but yeah, uh, the, it seems like you guys like developmental hockey is, has got a big advantage because it's, not gate driven you guys the parents don't go to the games anyway because they're not they're normally not anywhere near them and you guys travel together as a team so right 
you know, mom and dad aren't driving kids to the game anymore. So it just seems like you guys have a, a, the perfect means to get your season underway and get to your tournaments and have scouts there without anybody having an issue with it med yeah. medically or, or I think I think the the just the issue is uh, USA Hockey maybe having some liability. I think I think that's it. I don't I don't really know. I mean, I know we have a trip in like September October to Omaha for like a USHL showcase, right? And I think we're gonna bus just to avoid the airports and all that type of stuff. Which I don't mind a good road trip, you know. <laughs> But with 40 kids on one bus, I don't know. You're taking two know. teams then? I, we're taking 14, 15, 16, and 18. Oh, wow. So if it's just two buses, right. then you're going to have two teams on one bus. I don't know. Two teams and staff? Yeah. Then and then managers. So probably almost 10 coaches going. Between between two, like in two buses though, right. and then uh, managers. So, do you guys take? Uh, do they provide medical and trainers and stuff there at the at the showcases? Yeah, yeah. There's always a trainer at the at whatever rink we're at and all that type of stuff. So the teams don't That's have to travel with their own. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I think I think it's better that way. Um, but at the same time, you're like if if you have an issue like later on in the day and you're back at the hotel you just can then you got to figure something out but like i'd rather it be that way than you be at the rink and not have anyone there and oh. like it, it, yeah we didn't even do that in high school right we had we had people on uh at at every game just in case even in even in our high school league right yeah so what's uh What's the status of what's the status of being able you when are you going to be able to get onto the ice more than once a week is anybody is that being regulated somehow is that a USA hockey thing or is it by choice I, I mean I don't really know I for me personally I'm getting ready for that dog bowl tournament so I've been skating like four or five times a week um, but like as far as the kids go I mean we're planning on going like second or third week of august like we're going season's on so are you are they testing is there a is there a testing required when i when i go to my my men's league games at the ice ranch they take our temperature um that's that's all for testing that i've seen is your temperature is probably way higher than most other people, isn't it? Just I swear it is because I'm hot all the time and I need air conditioning all the time. <laughs> like when I go to bed, I need air conditioning on and a fan on. Otherwise, I'm going to be so uncomfortable. <laughs> You're a beauty. So, so this, this, here's the question I've had since this whole thing happened. And Evan and I have talked about this a lot. So you guys can play. Let's say everybody in everybody in an organization like yours or any of the other like ones around the country, you guys can get on the ice and you can play. You can go to your tournaments and somehow because there's no fans, because there's limited um, limited density, and you can test everybody at all. 
you guys can go ahead and pretty much have a regular normal season. But these kids are teenagers. They're trying to be scouted. They're trying to be recruited and seen and signed and move on. And at the ages of 15, 16, 17, 18, literally their careers are on the line here. Right. So if they can't, if, for example, the BCHL or the USHL or somebody like that who is a gate-driven league says we can't operate without fans and locally they won't let us put that many people in the building. So we have to scrap our entire season. Yeah. That, no matter what you guys do as a developmental organization, that, I mean, the kid, the kid is still stuck right where he is. Right. So I think what I've thought about all this is I think a lot of kids are going to be staying another year of 18s if they can. Okay. Just to give themselves a little bit more time to, to get seen. That's what, that's what I've thought. Like kids aren't going to be so eager to be like go. Like, especially if, if this season's kind of interrupted in any sort of way, I think more kids are going to play a second year of 18s, which isn't a bad thing. I think, I think it's going to make 18s a lot stronger. I mean, it's, it's good now. I, I like it because it's, it's like once – it's a man's game. Like, when I watch those games, it's, it's heavy. There's, like, scrums and all that type of stuff, and, and I like that. But I think instead of, instead of kids just saying one year and then moving on to – like uh like the na or something like that i think they're gonna stay have another year of being seen by more than just na scouts maybe like bc or ushl and all that Correct. and then and then go on i don't know i mean everyone's gonna be different too yeah and it depends i suppose it depends if you're playing if you're playing minor hockey if you're in a developmental system in in a place like new jersey or boston or someplace as opposed to maybe developmental hockey in Des Moines or, or a smaller market, right? It might, the, the regulations locally yeah. are different. So what, with respect to the game in general, you just mentioned something that, that made me curious. You know, you've got, you got a trend to a lot smaller game, a lot smaller, faster skill game in the, in the show. Yeah. Are you seeing the same thing at your in, in the teenage game, are you are you seeing a lot more five eight five nine guys being able to play, or is it is it still a, like you said it was a man's game, which was encouraging? Yeah, I I, I think for eighteens it's it's a man's game. Like for our tier one league this year, they were going to move to one game a day for showcases instead of they're going to go to three game weekends instead of four, and they're going to do three twenty minute periods because I mean. Those kids are they're 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 ready for juniors anyways. Right. Um, but like those kids I mean, those kids are bigger. Obviously they're eighteen years old. I mean they're they're almost men. Um, as far as fifteens and sixteens, um, obviously they're not as big, like their bodies aren't developed yet. Um, but they are just maybe just as skilled and I mean just as fast too. Um I majority of the kids like the kids that are gonna go do something play one or two years of 16s and then and then go to where they're going right um but yeah i mean we especially with milan we were trying to teach our kids to play the way they play in the nhl like 
I think you gotta stay current and and how it is because that's the best way to move kids on. Like if you're playing and teaching a way and a style that isn't gonna be used anymore, then right. I mean, we we had speed on our on our team the last couple of years, and we tried to build that on and off the ice, and then play with that during games, and it it really helped us. If you when when you're developing as a player, whether whether you're going from bantam to midget or midget to junior, junior to college or the AHL or wherever you're going, whatever, when you make a step, you've got enough problems graduating to the next level, graduating to the next step. You're now playing with older kids, bigger kids. Uh, you're going from kids to men, etc. You don't need to also figure out an entirely new way to play the game. Right. So that continuity, right, is, that's what you need from a pretty early age all the way up. Because yeah. the kids, they have enough problem, they have enough to adjust to without trying to figure out an entirely new, uh, a new brand. Right. So and that's, that's like, obviously, if you've been scouted and signed to a junior team, they want you for how they saw you. They don't want you to change your role and, like if you were a third line centerman, that's probably why they want you to do on your on your junior team too. Yeah. Um, There's yeah. I mean, so you bring up a good point here, and and going further than what are you guys doing or what's what's going to happen with junior hockey? What about the kids that are currently playing junior hockey, whether it's major junior USHL or wherever they are? Those kids, if that season is in jeopardy now now you're looking at a now you're looking at a blind draw in the draft uh, next spring like yeah you don't have a full season or no season at all god forbid now you're 17 18 19 years old and where's your career going right how how are guys going to fill nc2a rosters or go to the nhl draft and and know what they're looking at if yeah if seasons are scrapped or uh, or just really convoluted altogether. I, I yeah. I mean, obviously, for I think for just for the NHL draft, there might be some issues because I mean, you scout kids years in advance, and like the, the year before is probably their biggest year. But like for colleges, I mean, you you commit to a kid so like a, a few years in advance. So if like if every college is in the same boat you're going to get those kids at the same year. Like it's, it's not really different. And I know like for like the dubs, they have their affiliates and stuff like that too. Every team's like that. Like if those kids age out, they're all calling up the same kids. Like, yeah. I mean, what, unless like for the junior leagues, if they did like a, an exception where every kid, like if this was going to be their last year, they were granted another year of eligibility. I don't see what else they could do. Right. Other well, than just let it happen, like, hey, you know, this is how it is. You're committed to go to this school. Good luck. Yep. It's, well, that's, that's exactly right. It's, it's no different than the playoff format that we see now in the big leagues. You're, everybody's in the same boat. And, yes, it's different and it's, it's weird and the, and the habits and the, the normal procedure is completely gone, but the game is still the same and every team is in the same – they're in the same situation. Right. Right, and I think I think there'll be some teams and like junior teams, pro teams, colleges that 
will find a way to to separate themselves. But like you said, everyone's in the same boat. It just it just is what it is right now. So you guys plan to go to work in a, in a month, roughly. Yeah. Sometime late August. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to get going. It just feels like <laughs> you're I mean, more so. Ready. I am, but like more so because like last season was cut short. Like we were, we found out the season was canceled the night before we were going to regionals. I, I'm I'm fairly ninety percent sure we would have advanced past regionals to go to nationals again. And what a shame! Just, eh? Yeah, just to have it cut short, just. I don't know. I'm I'm ready to get going. <laughs> well, we that's the one question we didn't have is whether or not you're ready to go. We, oh. we uh, tell me when and what rink to be at, and I'll be there. I'll just make sure you've got your time zones figured out. Yeah, we did. Yes. You got the time zone worked out, okay? More or less. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't use Siri too well on my phone. I don't know here. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. What else do you see happening that we should know about in uh, you know in the in the developmental world as it relates to where we are at this point in the late summer of 2020? Um, I think there's just less. There's. I mean, there's obviously less ice. Like, there's less camps going on because with the whole liability thing maybe and just safety um there's i don't think there's many lessons going on because um there's less ice and what ice there is it's more expensive because everyone wants to use it right um i don't know i, I think it's just a weird time like are they limiting how many kids are on how many uh, how many players can be on the ice they, they were at first not so much anymore though um, if project, yeah. looking back, uh, think, <laughs> and this is this is hard to say with a straight face, but put yourself back in time to where you were fifteen or sixteen years old. Okay. And take away your season in March. Take away your summer. Way watered down training schedule. Not much ice for basically six months. What, are you are you off ice? Are you working harder, or are you just uh, you, you just cannot wait to get back in your skates, or are you taking out all your aggression in the gym or on the road, or what are you doing? Yeah, well, for me, like, I just I didn't like being on the ice. So if being on the ice wasn't an option, I remember um, at Heritage they had the Heritage football camp over summer where you lift. And then oh, yeah. do the speed camp after. Right. And I did that pretty much every summer. Yep. Um, but, like, I don't know if they'd have that now. So, like, I don't know if they're doing that this summer. Just because, I mean, you pretty much have 100 kids in the gym at one time. Yeah, and I don't know. A lot, a lot of our kids have actually gotten rollerblades and are still skating. Um, and I think that's really, like – the most you can do i mean if if you don't like if you're not on the ice at all which most of them are like they'll find a way but if there's no ice like i think rollerblading is is what a lot of them have taken to yeah that's you know 
with the exception of obviously, you know, <clears throat> edges and edges and stops, rollerblading is probably as close as you can come. Riding a bike is fine for cardio and, and leg strength, but you know, balance wise, there's just nothing you can, you can run, you can bike, you can do everything you want, but nothing replaces being on your skates. Right. Yeah, you can, you can, yeah, you could be an animal in the gym and be in such shape, but like if it's so different, once you like start skating, like it's just a different, <laughs> it's almost like you can't even simulate that if you're on the ice. No, no. That's why, that's why you see guys in, in, that, the combines, the scouting combines that became a thing 10 years ago or 15 years ago or so. At first it was, you know, all the tests of bench pressing and, and uh, jumping, you know, your vertical leap and all that stuff and, and pull-ups and whatnot. And then the kids who were really crummy at all that stuff were, are, have become superstars. So all of that stuff is irrelevant. Those, I know those aren't hockey muscles. They're not hockey moves. It's not right. brains. Like the only reason the off ice combine would, would help me out as if I were like an NHL scout would be if there's two guys exactly the same on the ice and the off ice thing would be like, okay, who, who performed better off the ice? Maybe they're a little bit more athletic too. You know, Yeah. that's the only reason. I mean, like a kid could be an animal in the gym and on the bike, but like he could, and then you put him up against a kid who's, you know, not as good in the gym, but has much better like hockey IQ. Right. I'm probably gonna want the hockey IQ guy, you know? Oh yeah. Right. I mean, you, it's, it's hockey IQ is very hard to teach, but like you can, like you can get that kid in shape and, and teach him skill stuff. But like, if you have like a kid that's just like an animal, but like doesn't know what to do or where to be, like. There's not much you can do with right. that. Right. Absolutely right. You, you can, you can teach a really good instinctive kid how to how to get stronger and even how to get faster you can you can teach some of the skating and things and and some of the physical aspects but you you doesn't matter what what kind of a uh, what kind of a physical prospect the guy is if he doesn't know what he's doing right you're not going to get through that, right. that brings up another question for me and I'm sorry to dominate here but we how do you guys interview when it comes down to picking your team do you guys interview players um, this year we actually had every kid fill out like a questionnaire, okay. um, with just like a bunch of, a bunch of questions on it and stuff like that. And we actually used it, um, our team and 16s to make, um, some of the final picks just be based off like what type of, uh, person this kid is. Yeah. So it is, it is like a, a thing that people do. I know at the NHL draft, I know this from the top down the interview can move you up or down three rounds. Right. I mean, I, I was listening to Chicklets a, a couple months ago and Brian Burke was talking about Neil Yakupov's interview, interview and he said it, it's the worst one he's ever seen. I mean, look at the, yeah. look at the guy's career. Right. The interview is critical, and I, and I don't know when they start teaching that kind of thing, and some of it is just how you're raised and how, you're, you know, how your parents bring you up. But certainly some of it is your, whether you have a family advisor or an agent and the coaching yeah. staff and the people, the mentors that you have in the game, at some point pretty early on, the, the more a kid is taught how to and how not to act and interview and treat people, 
really, really matters. For sure. So many of them look alike at, at 16 or 17, but the, their mannerisms and their, their, the way they conduct themselves, it's, it can be totally different. It can make or break a kid. Exactly. I mean, there's, when you get to a certain level, everyone's going to be a, a, an outstanding player. Right. You need to find those small things that will make, I mean, advance the kid, but also if something happens, you've done your homework, so you're not going to be in trouble. Like if, if something happens, you got rid of the right kid, you're going to be, you're going to be okay. Exactly. And, and that's, you're absolutely bang on. And I think it's an overlooked thing. People are, people talk about skills and they talk about, you know, all the, all the physical aspects of the game and those kind of things, but the intangibles of how that person operates, how they conduct themselves. Let's just say you've got, let's say you got a, a room full of 18 year olds and out of 20 kids who are going to go out and have a, have, let's say a, God forbid, a, a leg injury or a spinal injury or something like that and end their career, which can happen. The kid that's most equipped then to get back in the game as a coach or in management or go on and, and contribute to his own career and contribute back to the game is the guy who's the most prepared off the ice. He's the guy who's prepared to know how to treat people and how to, how to act. Yeah. Cause I mean, even like, even for coaches too, like you, you need to have, like you need to have someone that's, a well-rounded person too. Like no one's going to want a kid coached by someone who's just that guy, you know, like just, you know, it's just, I, there's just so many things like in the path that come up along the way for a kid to be able to move on. Like whether his behavior, who he's been coached by, I mean, it's just, there's just so many things that could alter a career. Yeah. Lots of variables, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, uh, we sure like the sound of the way you guys do things. I mean, they, they're, you're doing a great job with the, with the approach that you take, and, and I think you're surrounded by people on that staff that have, are very, very like-minded. Would you? Isn't that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, for me personally, I think, I think this is going to be a big year for me based off of the position I've been put in and, you know, I've, I've, I've been given a midget team, you know, I'm going to be in charge of, of doing the defense. Uh, I was put on a team that didn't even win state last year. I mean, the last three years I've been on a top 10 team. This team didn't even win state last year. Oh. Um, and I think uh, I, I want it. Like I, I'm ready for this. So nice. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah I'm you, ready. Who are you coaching with? Cam, Cam Clemenson is the head coach. Yeah. So we'll, we will have U15s. It's the 05 group. Okay. Um, first year midgets. Even win. Pardon? First year midgets? Yeah. Yeah, first year midgets. So they didn't even win state last year. So <clears throat> I, 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 want, I'm, I want this challenge. I, I want it. What a great opportunity. I know. that's And, like, just, you know, Clarkson being around, Kelly being around, like, yeah, there's just so many avenues where I can I can get help from and learn from. Like I I, I just I'm in a good spot and I'm very fortunate to to be where I am. That's awesome. That that's yeah. really awesome. And I think uh, as we Evan and I talk about on this show a lot, you can teach defense. If a kid can skate, 
I mean, you, you can teach a kid how to read and how to, read, uh, you know, where, where coverages are and how to, how to read off the rush and off the cycle both. Uh, but offensive instinct is almost impossible to teach a kid, right? Like if you just don't see the ice a certain way, it's hard to have that. It's hard to be offensively uh, at the top of the game. Right. But defense is a great place to be able to teach. Yeah. And I, learn. Yeah. And there's sometimes where I feel like I'm just giving the kids so much information just because like, I need it. I need to, to, I need you to be this good right now. Like, but that's not going to happen. So as, over the years, like I've kind of, I've grasped that and, and just said, all right, like it's still August. We got till March. It's going to be a long road. It's not going to be easy, but they'll get there. Right. Right. And so I suppose based on the kid and the circumstances and the stage of the season and everything else, there are times when, a couple of defensive mistakes puts a kid on the bench. And there are times when a couple of defensive mistakes gets a guy, you know, a little, a little kick in the rear end and get back out there and don't do it again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I, I, for the kids and the kids put a lot of pressure on themselves. So the kid makes a mistake. I'm not, I'm really not the type of guy who's going to get down because they're being hard enough on themselves. I'm probably going to put them right back out there. I mean, you need to get, you need to get right back over it. You need to get your confidence back up. Let's go make a simple play. Let's get going. You can't go back and redo it. Let's get going. Yeah. Like I, 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 there's no point in, in harping on them. No. Uh, if that, that's like, that's the best teaching moment is when they, you know, shoot it right into the guy's shin pad, goes back to the other right breakaway goal. Like that's, yeah. that's the best teaching moment. So, yeah, if the kid, if the kid already knows as soon as the, the second it happens, he knows what he did, then you don't need to tell him. He's telling exactly. him. Exactly. Exactly. You're there to kind of, all right, you know, it's over with, you're fine. You're, you're going right back out there. I need you, I need you to, let's make a good breakout pass. Let's get a shot on goal. Let's get a good hit. Like, let's just do something easy this next shift and we'll build your game going up from there. And if it, it, on conversely, if the kid is, you know, he makes a mistake in coverage on the rush and he has to come back and, and you go to the film and you say, and he says, coach, what do I, what do I do here? I, I mean, I, mean, I took the wrong guy. I yeah. miscommunicated with my partner and went to the wrong, you know, went to the wrong spot. You know, that's, that's a place where if the kid is, if he knows what he did, you don't have to teach him anything. If he doesn't yeah. know what he did is when you probably have to step in and, and show him how to read that play the next time. Yeah. That's why I think video is like the best teaching tool because they can actually see what's going on. You're like, all right. And it's, it's, I don't think video is a time to get done on them either. I think that's, no also a good teaching point like hey you know and and i and i like to ask hey what what could you have done here what else what is the better play that way they actually have to think about it and that way when it comes time to make a decision on the ice they've already thought about the better option and they they can do it yeah that's yeah that's uh you guys have so many tools now 20 years later that we didn't have you know back then oh yeah I mean, like, like the, the video apps, like huddle and all that type of stuff. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost no excuse for these kids not to at least go somewhere. Right. I mean, all the showcases events they have, all the off ice, the on ice tools, like. 
the only excuse is that now there are so many more kids that are playing at the level that could actually go on that the, you know, the competition is probably getting stiffer than it was back then. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you look at, they've had to add like all the levels, like you 11, you 13, you 15 for triple a, like just because like when we played, there wasn't as many kids. So like, <clears throat> kids that moved up from 14 and made 16s and beat some of the 16s out well they're they don't know where to go anymore whereas now if you go from 14 to 15 you know you're not you're not losing kids from your program i think it's i think it's i think it's better this way so i think it's more of like a gradual process yeah it should be unless unless you are that incredibly exceptional kid that can move that that can leapfrog levels, but those are so few and far between. Yeah. I mean, those I are, mean, there's, we have some O fives that made 16s, but there's only three of them. And so there, I mean, there's no rush. Like you're not getting drafted tomorrow. No, it's better to take your time, master your craft slowly along the way. And then, I mean, if you, it's better to have like a gradual, um, you know, increase in your skill rather than just right away. And then you're kind of plateauing and by first year 18s or as you're the best you'll ever be, you know? Yeah. We see that all the time. In fact, Evan and I were just talking, uh, was it last episode? I think we talked about Sean day who was the world's best 14 year old player. That, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, the kid from uh, from the Ontario League, and and now he's he's struggling to keep a job. I think he fell to the third round with the Rangers, and uh, he's he's within a month or two of probably flunking out of the league altogether. He's in Tampa, right? I did see that. I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's just, last shot. I mean, yeah. I mean, and there's always guys that haven't even like <clears throat> hit near their peak by the time they're drafted either. Like you look at you look at guys that have been passed over by like every league, like Panarin wasn't even drafted. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, you and, never, you never know. And there's, so there, we, our last episode was about the comparisons between NC2A and major junior. And, and that's part of the reason that NC2A is becoming such a popular route, even though the schedule is not as pro friendly and everything else. But it gives a kid till 24, 25 years old to really develop. And it gives a team that long to look at a guy, which really reduces your risk. You're not, you're not predicting the future of an 18-year-old anymore. You're trying to predict the future of a, of a you know, Bozak or somebody who came out of school as a free agent at 22. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I, I would – I try to push kids more towards the college drought because obviously, like, if you're good enough – and and a, t- a pro team is where you want they were where they want you to be. You can always leave early, but you but you don't have to. You can right. stay. I mean, yeah. you can stay till you're you know like maybe almost twenty four, twenty three. There's you know, and along the way you're getting a, an education. So yeah, you get the education, and and now the team, the team can say you're not ready yet, and we have no place for you. You can't make our lineup, so stay in school, keep working, and keep developing. And then when they do come back to that player and say, whether, you, whether you've been drafted and are the property of a team or not, 
the team can come to you at whatever age it is, 21 to 25, and say, you know, we've, we've got a spot for you now. We can sign you. Here's a three-year entry-level deal. Now you yes. decide whether you want to leave school or not, but here's what we can give you. We can give you playing time. We can put you in this position on our depth chart. Here's an entry-level deal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I just don't see the need to rush to rush kids. Let them take their time. I mean, I don't know. Everyone's different too, though. Oh, it, totally. Every situation, every kid, you know, it's just – we talk about this constantly about – you know, the questions about how do you draft somebody, how do you develop somebody, what's, what's important, what's not. It is completely inexact science. Every kid is different, every team, every situation, every age group, every, every position. It's, uh, and that's what makes it fun. Yeah. It's almost, like, it's almost like gambling a little bit. Like, you really don't know. It totally is. What truly you're going to get in, like, two to three years after you, after you draft a kid, you know, I mean, you could have a first round pick that doesn't really do, it doesn't live up to what he was done. And then you drafted a fourth round guy. Who's, 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 who's going to play. Right. You, you never know. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. That's what makes it fun. That's what, yeah. that's what gets scouts fired and, and, you know, entire staffs looked like you have you have five years of drafting the way Edmonton did years ago and and then uh you're at, the whole place gets whacked and yeah but well so what's uh what's going to happen with you where are you going to be like I know I, I know you this year you're set where do you see yourself going um I don't know I mean I'd like to I'd like to do something um I'd like to maybe be with a junior team in the next two to three years and then um, work my way up after that. I mean, I feel, <clears throat> I think this is going to be my sixth or seventh year as a coach already. And wow, I know. And I think wow. <laughs> I've learned so much along the way already. And, and I think, I mean, there's times where like, I'd be talking to the guys and Milan's like, oh, I never thought about that. You know, like I, I, I feel like, I've grown along the way and in the next couple of years, I could <clears throat> be an asset to maybe a junior team somewhere. I don't doubt that at all. Not at all. Be yeah. A, and that's, be that's the goal for me. Awesome. Well, I'll be eager to see how that goes. We are, uh, we're big fans here. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, uh, anything else on your mind there, boys? I think so. I think we're set. Well, thanks for doing this, Poon. It's good to yeah, talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. Well, uh, maybe we can talk again before your season gets underway. Keep us posted on that, okay? If they, yeah, if yeah, let's, let's do that. Okay. Well, listen, thanks. Have a great day. And uh, friend of the show, Brandon Pugne, talk to you again soon. Yeah, thank you, guys. Okay, man. See ya. See you, yeah, pal. Take care.
conversation with Brandon Punier yet again uh, this week. Uh, he's becoming kind of a regular for us, and we, we greatly appreciate it and we enjoy it. So, Brandon, thank you again for joining us. Uh, we look forward to having you with us time and time again as you are able to do so. So uh, be ready. Uh, we love having you with us, so thank you again. Uh, Brandon Pooney is a tremendous person to listen to. He's not only uh, a great guy, a great friend of the show, but he's definitely doing it right. He's doing big things with the Thunderbirds down in Colorado, and he's got big things to come in the future. So uh, congrats to Brandon on everything. Uh, we look forward to uh, staying in touch with you and, and following you as you move forward. So congrats on everything, brother, and we, we greatly appreciate you joining us yet again. Uh, make sure you head to... Um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, War Room the Hockey Podcast, at War Room the Hockey Podcast, respectively. Like and follow us. Engage with us. We love when you engage with us. Ask questions, uh, comments, uh, thoughts, anything like that. Uh, John Leahy, uh, shout out to him. He's a, a great listener and does a tremendous job of engaging with us, and we greatly appreciate it. Make sure you head to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you subscribe, you rate and review. Continue to help us grow. And... Um, we can't thank you enough for your continued support. Um, I'm all alone in studio this week, uh, so no typical outro type stuff. Um, but make sure you enjoy uh, this year's playoffs um, as it is a tremendous time to be a hockey fan. So anyways, thank you again. Uh, any questions or thoughts, please feel free to write to us. Uh, direct message us on Instagram or Facebook. Um, we do our best to respond in a, an efficient manner. Um, otherwise, we will see you all next week. Thank you again for your support. I'm Evan Rauer, and I will see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Cheers.